the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening to you. It is Wednesday evening here in San Diego. Yes, love it. This is not Andrea K. This is Justin Hart. I'm the show. I'm the the host of the Justin Hart show. I don't believe it. This is Ted what? Cruz broadcasting. That, no, no, I look like Ted Cruz, but only with the right glasses, and only when I'm wearing a suit and a tie, and maybe when I'm just a little bloated. No, no, no. Ted's good. Ted's good. But yeah, I, I you know, we're only like two months apart. But no, I don't. Okay, I don't look anything like Andrea K in a dress though. So uh, I'm in for Andrea all week here. So glad to be with you, KCBQ. I'm live uh, casting this over over Twitter as well. And lots of things were happening on Twitter today. Most prominently, of course, you may have heard, the Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida has thrown his hat into the ring for the presidential race of 2024, challenging Donald Trump and other contenders there. This, is, this has been long in the making, and I think... The first sort of inclinations that he was going to do this came when he started to stick his neck out against the policies that originated from the Trump administration. Now, whether or not Trump has a fault in that is for the voters to decide. But what's undeniable is that Governor DeSantis made a claim on his name for that very purposes, and today he has launched his presidential campaign, and he did it in a unique fashion. He went on to Twitter Spaces. Spaces is the radio broadcast slash podcast slash live, whatever you want to call it, off of Twitter. It's audio only on the Twitter side, and he was there with Elon Musk, Elon himself, the owner of Twitter, the guy who spent $44 billion to make sure that you could say what you want. He was there to guide Ron DeSantis on that launch. And uh, let's play a little of that launch right now. Um, I understand that you may have an announcement to make. Uh, We've got, I think, a a record audience assembled here. Uh, You know, probably the biggest uh, room that's probably ever been assembled online. Uh, what, What would you like to tell them? Well, I am running for president of the United States. Need our great. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle class lifestyle. And our president. Well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we 
That's great. And and you may have heard a little bit of static, a little voice blurb there. And that's because the show was meant to start uh, here on the West Coast at about 3 p.m. Uh, or was it 4 p.m.? 4 p.m. But it, uh, it didn't get started until about uh, 20 minutes after the fact. And that's because it crashed. The entire space's infrastructure just crashed under the weight of Ron DeSantis's launch, but probably because Elon Musk, who has a hundred million followers or more, had tweeted it out and was the co-host of the show. And so he, the first voice you heard was David Sachs, and he was interviewing uh, DeSantis for this launch. Uh, I thought it went pretty well. Along with that, we also had a very strong video that is the campaign launch for the DeSantis campaign. Let's play that now. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet. And the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable. And freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation, and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we prove that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Well, I thought that was pretty good. I, I think actually it was interesting, the choices. I'm, I'm a musician, and so I listened to the music choices. I'm glad you said that. Because right? What did you think I of that? Was that was interesting, about that right? the first time I heard that today. Yeah, it was unique, right? A little staccato in there, some strings going. It wasn't your typical... America is reborn. No, but it grabs you. It does. It does. It gives a little intensity to it. And I think that's probably what's needed because in terms of what this means, the 2024 election is basically started today. And that's because uh, the fundraising prowess, uh, the fight against Trump, it's going to be it's going to be lively. It's going to be lively. And I think I was on a, a, a spaces earlier talking about it and someone had a great point that. Whether you're a DeSantis fan or a Trump fan, you should definitely be pleased for a robust primary debate. I think they're actually both going to help each other out because they're going to make each other better. I think you're right. And whoever comes out on top, I think, has a very good chance of besting. Who, who's our president again? Um, I, uh, Sleepy. Oh, yes, that's right. You know, I always get kind of confused. And I think he does, too, as to who the actual president is. And that's, I think... Well, you know, we have a very good chance in the way that the the financial world is going, uh, perhaps a crazy chance. We have a great show lined up for you. In a few minutes, we're going to bring on Congressman Andy Biggs. 
Uh, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm kind of excited. Uh, this is the, the first time that I've actually spoken myself to Congressman Biggs. Uh, he and I have been retweeting each other and talking to each other on DMs here and there over the last three years. But, and I, I actually got to meet with his staff, but I've never met him in person, nor have I spoken to him. Great man. First to person. I'm super thrilled. Uh, to have him there. And then uh, later in, in the next hour, we're going to have uh, Jennifer Say. Jennifer is a very good friend of mine, and we're going to be talking about some woke politics stuff. And, of course, top of the, the, the second hour, per usual Wednesdays, we have Dave Elhoff coming in to talk about all things finance. Uh, so this should be a, an interesting show, but we're going to be talking, I think, a lot about the uh, the upcoming election and where the issues stand uh yeah, I, I standing back to back. What what is Trump? He's six four. I can't remember. I'll have to go look, look up that the up. Official number. Yeah, I can't remember. I think Ron DeSantis is hovering right around six foot. Uh, so that'll be an interesting uh, sort of take on stage there. But uh, 2016 was such an interesting year. At this point in the campaign in 2016, May 2015, that is the Trump year is before. Trump three. Six three, thank you. So the year before the election, 2015 in May, Marco Rubio was in the lead and Trump was at 3%. Before that, Mike Huckabee was in the lead. The lead would change a dozen times before Trump took the golden ring. But it was very clear that he cleared the field of anyone on stage there just by his sure prowess. And so this will be very good because I think um, what people found out tonight was a very conversational thing that he had on Spaces. Get him out of here! And it's, it's possible. Well, we'll see. I think, uh, I think that Trump is going to be put on the spot, but he'll become better for it, or Trump will best him. I think either way, we're all in agreement. That guy, what's his name again? I keep forgetting. I, I must be contagious. Needs to go. Justin Hart in for Andrea. We come back. Andy Biggs. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K. on The Answer San Diego. Great to be with you again on Wednesday evening here in San Diego. I'm Justin Hart in for Andrea K. And I am, I am so thrilled to bring you Representative Andy Biggs on the line now. Representative Biggs, you there? Yes, I am. I'm doing great. I'm so glad this is the first time that we've actually spoken, you and I, uh, you know, over radio at least. I I haven't met you in person, but we've been retweeting each other over the last three years as we took on the COVID crowd. And as as an honor to Tina Turner, who left our graces today, uh, you were simply the best. Okay, and I mean that truly, Andy, because uh, there I could count on one hand the number of congressional leaders who gave us the time of day when we were fighting the terrible COVID policies. So thank you again for everything you did. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for your efforts there. And so many people, um, you know, you, you can imagine how torched I was getting back here in D.C. But but and actually in 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 the corporate media world. I mean, I, I, there were times that even some of the so-called conservative folks would put me in the penalty box because what I would say about masking or lockdowns or uh, mental health problems uh, or economic uh, fallout because of it. So, so you did great for doing that and, uh, and the fight because it was worthwhile. Um, we just have big, we have additional fights going on right now though. 
Yeah, you were in committee uh, about two months ago when I was up there with about 50 people. I got with uh, Matt, one of your key staffers there, and we talked about, yeah. we had uh, Jay Bacitario with us. I know you know Jay well. And uh, we yes. were basically, you know, we were, we were trying to put in place uh, a lot of the different initiatives that would make sure that something like this never, ever happens again. And I know uh, you've been very stalwart every single year or every uh, two years or you've been bringing up those same bills. Uh, tell us, you have a few of these very choice bills that I we always watch, and of course, uh, no one has kind of the, the courage to really take it further, which is why we need uh, someone that can do it at the top when we take the White House in 2024. But tell us about the current COVID bills that you have in store and what you're most proud of right now. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is a riff on the COVID bills, but I just original right now, and that is my uh, get us out of the WHO, uh, World Health Organization mm. bill, H.R. 79. And the reason I say that I think it's, it's more urgent is because while you and I are talking, uh, maybe not right now because it's probably five in the morning there, but, but in Geneva, Switzerland, the World Health Organization is holding their meetings and they are drafting um, what they're calling pandemic uh, protocols or a pandemic accord. And what that will do is, is that they want to take as a multilateral institution and be able to in, uh, intercede into nation states and um, declare health emergencies and then do the same thing that we saw in COVID, which is masking, lockdowns, all those things. That was, uh, and yeah. This had, yeah, this administration, Joe Biden's administration has representatives there, and they support this. Yeah, it's and crazy. So, I, I saw it coming out. Yeah. They're calling it. They have. They have it. They call it Disease X over there. It's a. It's a placeholder <laughs> for anything they want to yeah, put in place. Is that right? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And so, so um, I, I've done this before. I've done a lot of multilateral institution work, and I, let me just tell you. This is not the first time that that these uh, leftists, radical leftists, Marxists, want to take over the world. Um, they they want to do this, and so that's what this is all about. And so my bill says no. Not only not only are we going to be completely out of the World Health Organization, you can't fund them uh, uh, from any federal dollar. There cannot be one federal dollar that goes to the World Health Organization, and that is. That, in my opinion, is, is the way that we get out of it. The other way, we, we, we need the Senate to act and basically come back and, 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 and hold the administration accountable and say, what the heck are you trying to do? This, and, and be ready, because uh, the Biden administration really does want to succumb to this uh, this World Health Organization, and we we can't allow that to happen. You're absolutely right, and I think what we're finding, you know, you you were one of the first people to come out when masks started coming back into schools, and you're like, this is just this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. Uh, you, you know, you think it it took these climate change activists four months, four years, four decades to convince us that what we exhale was killing the planet. It took them all of what? Four weeks to convince <laughs> us that what we exhale was killing grandma. And, and then we come to find out that the masks we were using were completely worthless and everything else there. I, I just so appreciate you putting your neck out on these things because uh, I, I know a lot of your colleagues are, uh, some of them are still masked up. I was up there on Capitol Hill they're still masked up. Yeah, and some of them, you know, I've seen people wearing two masks, and I'm like, uh, that doesn't that that 
doesn't really provide an appreciable, uh, you know, increase in the eff- efficacy of these masks. Look, at, at one time, I, I literally kept over 100 studies on my, on my desk in my office <laughs> on masks. <laughs> Just be, because I wanted to be able to tell anybody that's coming up, hey, look, look here, look at this stack of studies. There's two great meta studies, um, and and then then a mess of other studies that that just em- emasculate the argument on masking. And then we knew you and I knew early on that if that school shutdowns was the wrong way to go. Sweden was castigated for it uh, for keeping their schools open. We knew that was the right way to go because very early on we knew who the vulnerable people were. They were people with comorbidities, and yet. And yet the, the health care people, uh, uh, the public health people who I believe uh, uh, what they've done is indictable. But what they did is they ignored, they ignored the science that they claimed that they were following. Now, think about that. They were, they were saying, you know what, uh, we're, we're going to uh, isolate old people, put them all together with all their comorbidities, and, and then we're going to keep healthy people away from them. The mental health, I mean, the mental health problems were incredible. I cannot believe that Andrew Cuomo hasn't had more criminal scrutiny right. uh, over what he did, uh, what he did for the the elderly in New York City. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and now fast forward three years, we're coming up against a financial crisis and, of course, a, a, a debt crisis. And a lot of that because of terrible COVID decisions, both unfortunately under the Trump administration. And then later on, Biden doubled down on this, printing more and more money, leading to major clogs in supply chains. All the supply chains are now loose. Uh, warehouses are filling up. No one wants any goods because everyone knows the the panic is coming and there's a lot of, of financial things happening. Meanwhile, every single person in the United States owes $250,000 in debt. What are you hearing right now as far as this debt deal goes? Well, uh, I'm hearing, I mean, this is rumors, uh, but I, I mean, I've been, they've been flooding me um, all afternoon, evening, and I and starting last night, actually, uh, that, that there's going to be a deal cut uh, give with some modest, uh, structuring of of spending, trying to keep it down somewhat, but it's it's not going to do anything. It won't bend the curve down at all. It'll still be deficit spending. And then in the meantime, they're gonna they're gonna push this out. They won't tell you what the real number is. My understanding is they're going to say where they're going to uh, allow the debt ceiling to be lifted to pay all bills and everything <laughs> through February 2025. That's more punting. Well, that's that's more than four point five trillion dollars that will be added to the national debt. So crazy! That's what I'm hearing. No, it's it's nuts. It's ludicrous, and um, they they they're not gonna they're not gonna take down the 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 spending curve, right? So if you don't bend the spending curve down, if you just and they're not even gonna slow, lower the uh, the the slope of the the growth in spending, right? If you don't bend the spending curve down. You never get this thing under control, and we do go bankrupt as a nation. And 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 here's where Trump was right. He said, he said, if you don't reduce the spending, you might as well go bank. You might as well default now because you're going to default for sure later. And I'll just tell you one other thing, and this is this is critical too. We would not, we sh- we will not be defaulting on June first, even without a debt ceiling lift. Why? Because um, we still 
bring in dollars. We, we'll bring in a bunch of money this month. It'll be somewhere around four hundred eighty billion. Not four hundred eighty, but four hundred billion dollars. Three three eighty to four hundred twenty billion dollars will come in. The problem is we will spend five hundred to five hundred and ten billion. <laughs> It, in June, though, we come almost exactly even. It is one of the few months of the year that we, we actually bring in right about the same amount we spend. That's why it's a lie to say that we default on June 1st. Hmm. And if you think you're going to default on June 1st, why do you keep sending out grant money? They're, 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 they're sending out billions of dollars of grant money that are due June 1st. It seems to me it would be more prudent to tell the, the grantees, you're going to have to wait for your grant money. Um, until we get this, in, in, until we bring this under control. My, my own opinion is you probably ought to reanalyze all those grants to see if we should even be sending them. You know, uh, there's so much we could do on that as well, but um, the political will here right. is is <laughs> as is as scarce as the as political courage is uh, tonight uh governor DeSantis launched his campaign and uh representative massey was up there asked him about the rains act i know that's been a a, a big uh stalwart push for you as well he said we would absolutely sign it uh let's see uh how that goes what what are your thoughts on that well the rains act so we actually did that in judiciary today i offered amendments and and uh and and I was I was asked by leadership to withdraw my amendments because my amendments made it stricter. <laughs> you know, but, you're always uh, throwing down the gauntlet, rep. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and so I said, okay, well, uh, all right. Here's what we're going to do. Then we'll do it on the floor. Uh, I, you know, so that's where I'm going to go next week. I think the the Rains Act will pass out of the House. I think there's a slight remote chance it passes out of the Senate. Um, and if it does, though, I mean, then then. Biden will will veto it. We need a president who will allow the Rains Act. What the Rains Act does for people who don't know, it's it says if you if you have a rule that will impact the economy uh, more than a hundred million dollars in its current form, that's what the bill says. More than a hundred million dollars, then you have to bring it to Congress to be voted on to approve that rule from an agency. And uh, I took it to fifty million dollars, and I also <laughs> I went beyond just yeah. I also went beyond just a rule, and I said any advisory. Yes. Or guidance, because because that's how they get around the rule uh, constriction a lot. They'll just say this is just guidance, and then if you don't follow their guidance, then they will punish you, and they create felonies. More, there are more federal crimes in the regulations created by unelected bureaucrats than there are in the federal court code. Uh, elected uh, representative. No, you, you were spot on. And, and we saw this again and again here in San Diego. We would go to the county and we'd say, why are you doing this to our kids? And they'd say, look, it's it's Gavin Newsom. We'd go to Newsom. we say, why are you doing this to our kids? He says, look, the county has all the power it needs. You go back to the county and they say, we're following the CDC regulations. As Dr. J would say, it's yeah. basically a law without any sort of debate. And that's what they rely on, and it's. I, I hope that uh, yeah. I hope that something like this passes because it seems so critical. We got you just for like two or three more minutes. I wanted to ask you real quick: what's uh, what? What else is hot on your agenda? I had uh, Representative Kylie on the show last night. He's a freshman there. He's getting his sea legs. You've been there now for a while. So what? What are you seeing? What's the general pulse of things up there? Well, the the, the pulse is is. Um uh, is is everything's kind of been res- uh, revolving around this debt ceiling, which is a shame. 
because I think it's going to be a bad deal. Um, but the next thing up is the is the appropriation process, and and so people are focusing on the spending, and uh, you know I'm hoping that they can get it back because uh, you know I introduced. <laughs> here's how wacky I am. I took my staff worked so hard. We we took 500 line items of spending because they wouldn't give us a budget with line items in it. So when I say line items, I'm saying well. You know the XYZ program at at eighteen million dollars, and we went through and we made cuts in more than five hundred and twenty uh, departments, programs, and agencies. And I introduced a piece of legislation for every one of those line items. The idea is, if you went back to twenty nineteen spending, yeah. because our 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 revenue now exceeds because back then it was, our 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 negative was about eighty million eighty billion a month. Now our revenue would exceed the 2019 pre-COVID era spending. If you went back to that, you wouldn't even need to raise the debt ceiling. <laughs> and so that's what I've been pushing, and that's what I'll continue to push in the appropriations process. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing that we're pushing is the HFHC. You know, this is this is this bogus plan on the part of the administration where if you have good credit, um, they're going to charge you more points right. for your home loan and if you have bad credit they're going to subsidize that with what they've charged the the, the good credit guys so <laughs> just more craziness out of DC well representative Biggs, thank you so much <laughs> so glad to finally interact with you over voice here and uh, hope to see you next time on on the capitol hill stomping the grounds with Jay Bachataria you and your staff say hi to Matt we're so proud of what you guys have done over the last 3 years uh you stuck your neck out and i hope you'll be rewarded for it Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for all you do, and I look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Representative. Talk to you soon. Justin in for Andrea. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Oh, 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 oh. Justin Hart in for Andrea K today. Tomorrow and Friday, finishing off the week. I'm so glad to be here. I'm very glad for her trust, for your trust, Noah. Thank you for letting me take the helm. Always do a fabulous job. Glad to have you. We try hard. We try hard, right? And also, uh, it helps when I'm not having... We try harder than Target does, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. We'll get into that, right? That was a, So that's making the rounds. It, it, it was almost like they said, hey, Bud Light, hold my beer. Let, let me show you how this is really done. So uh, we'll talk about this in the next hour with Jennifer Say. This is kind of her forte. But Target basically has uh, has put together uh, a, a set of uh, two two lines of, of creative. That is, two lines of actual product. One by basically what seems like a supposed Satanist. <laughs> They're not selling the 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 harsh Satanist stuff. It's the it's the the slow damp crawl of Satanism that he has there. And then also they're selling bathing suits for kids that say they are tuck friendly. And, and you just go, why are they doing this? It's a they have a little toddler outfit full of rainbows and pride. And we just don't. I don't. You know, I look. I got lots of kids, and I got enough bone deep <laughs> down to the marrow. Stupid. Thank you, Senator Kennedy. He's absolutely right. But we're also talking about more stupidity. We talked about it briefly with uh, Congressman Biggs right there. But this this debt ceiling stuff really has you wondering. Because I, I, 
now I, I'm coming from this from a perspective where I'm in the industry. Okay, I'm, I I I was in it for about ten years, and then I was so sick of it, I left for ten years. But just like the Godfather, they keep pulling me back. They keep pulling me back in. So I'm back in it, and what that means is basically I help um, create really engaging content so that people will give to political campaigns, to PACs, and to a lot of charities, too. You you need to craft language that entices people to want to reach into their wallet and say, let me help you, right? And, and nothing says, let me help you, like, we're going to destroy the country if we let this debt get out of control and default, right? And, and so I'll tell you what's happening. Uh, the we had thought at the beginning of the week that they were they were hunky dory, they were going to close this out. Both Biden McCarthy were going to come to the table and just make it all happen. But in the end, they're still debating on this. Is that the latest Noah? They're just they're 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 waffling, right? Yeah, it keeps going back and forth. They say, hey, they see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're working together. I it doesn't appear they're getting much done. Uh, hey, clip three. What's this uh, with, uh, with with McCarthy? McCarthy. Let's do that. That's all we're asking. We're being reasonable. You're going to need Democratic votes, probably in the House, definitely in the Senate. You have a Democrat in the White House. Why not offer a single concession beyond saying we're not going to default? We've offered a lot of concessions. The cap on the spending is a Democrat idea. The The work requirement was a Democrat idea. The time... I can't help it if the Democrats have become so extreme and now is a party of Bernie Sanders than the party where Joe Biden was elected. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. He is the head Democrat. But if AOC and Bernie Sanders is going to run their party, that's not my fault. I'm not even sure Bernie Sanders is a registered Democrat. That's pretty funny. I love that line. But, but Justin, he's right. And I don't think the Republicans need to. I think they need to hopefully like. Uh, Gingrich was saying just yesterday they need to hold their ground. Yeah, they do. And and here's the thing. Both sides are highly incentivized to see this thing play just a little bit into the red, okay? Like, I, I think they both want to go where the alarm bells go up because they can see the markets go down. They can blame each other for that. And there's going to be a lot of fundraising on both sides to say the other side is to blame. And I don't, I don't like playing chicken with the $250,000 I owe to the government because of the debt, right? It's just insane. And so I, I, I think to myself, what, what could we do to sort of bring this together? I've got, a, I've got a couple ideas. I think one, maybe we can you know, send them some gift cards, right, to a, to a spa. Maybe you know, maybe we could have uh, Bernie Sanders there, and they could pay an extra tip for. Yeah, maybe they're just tense. Yeah, I'm thinking they're just tense. They need a little kumbaya, a little yoga, a little steam, a little scented candle, and just kind of relax a little bit. Uh, maybe we can help them. With, maybe there's some couples therapy they can go to. But at the same time, I think you're right. Uh, they've already given a lot of concessions. Now, this is um, if this was another year, a different year. We might say, hey, let them default, right? But right now the default is so big, so big, that it's unfathomable. Now, as as Representative Biggs pointed out, it's a bit of facade, right? We're not going to default on the debt, I don't think. But look, the margins are tight enough in the House, and the margins are tight enough in the Senate. 
Uh, I don't know. It, it it could be an interesting game of of chicken going head to head here. Uh, I'm I'm slightly slightly worried if about. It does it. dip into the red. I'll ask you personally. What do you think? Who do you think it looks like to j- just to the casual spectator is to blame here? I think the president would take it on the chin a bit. I've seen even in the press, the press has been uh, pushing him distinctly and saying, and, and the press secretary, w- 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 they've given you everything. They've given you a lot. And frankly, the, the Republicans have caved. The problem is, I'll tell you what the, the problem is, they caved too quickly, right? They gave, they, gave up, they gave up the ghost two weeks ago on these concessions, and no one knows what they are about. What you do is you hold tight, and then you give up the concessions that you were going to. But now I think the Democrats have the upper hand, frankly, because the press will carry that water for them all day long, and they won't care. And there, you know, there have been many of these type of, of standoffs over our oh, history. Oh, yeah, this is nothing new. Right. And but but I think what's new is the severity of it. Yeah, and I think is it's going to be punted again. I think Congress said until February. Basically, we're just kind of writing ourselves another check to push the limit up. By that time, we'll be over three thirty-two trillion dollars. You ever look at that that world debt clock? I have. It's depressing. Yeah, because you look at it and you say uh, something it is breaks amiss. it down per citizen per taxpayer. Yeah, and you see these numbers going by, and you see, oh, there goes my annual income in the flash of a second, right? And you think, what what is transpiring here? And the problem is, the people we owe the debt to, a lot of them are in China, a lot of them are foreign assets, and here's the other part of the big problem is. They're all looking to get rid of their debt, too, because they know that the dollar is decreasing. And um, it's not going to be a, a pretty sight when those two things collude there. So coming back after the break, we're going to talk about some other issues. Take it easy. We'll get them some some seance music. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, 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 maybe I need that myself. All right, Justin Hart in for Andrea. Back after the break. Andrea K telling you like it is while eating a donut too. It's the Andrea K show on the Answer San Diego. I'm trying to reconnect with a few people here in San Diego. There's a couple shout outs I need to give. I gave one out to Representative Biggs as you heard earlier because it's it's so cool to have that kind of very intense virtual relationship, right? Where you are retweeting each other and you're really engaging on all sorts of things, and, and but you never actually met the person in person, right? And and I felt the same way. There's a couple people here in San Diego I'm looking for, and I want to thank you. Our right, one is an anonymous nurse, and uh, that that sounds kind of weird. No, wait, no, it was anonymous nurse. She was a nurse during the pandemic. And she was incredibly helpful. She was um, at one of the big, I won't mention the name. No, I will. Scripps. She was at Scripps, okay? And when she was there at Scripps, she would send me occasional information. And this was public information that she was able to get. If I went down to Scripps, they'd have to give it to me. But she brought it to me. And it basically showed their dashboards. It was what exactly we said. When they told you that COVID was going to turn every hospital into a mass unit, they were lying. They were flat out lying. Why, why do you think they had all that time to do all those great TikToks and all they did, right? And listen, I don't blame the healthcare personnel. They were doing their best. 
But the administrators who just emancipated fear on this area, I uh, uh, the head of Scripps who signed a basically co-directive with the county and otherwise and said, you should all shut down to stay at home. When you look at their numbers, you realize even now in San Diego, we are not back to regular 2019 levels in the ER. Did people stop having accidents? No, you know, no sort of sudden urgencies that the they have to get to the ER? No, those still happen, but people decided they were going to wait it out. And in many instances across the country, the number of deaths at home skyrocketed because people didn't get the care they needed. They were too scared to go to the hospital. Why were they too scared to go to the hospital? Because people said, stay away from the hospital. And this, you absolutely need it, right? And look, as I said before, I'm not a healthcare expert. And normally, I, I wouldn't insert myself into someone else's domain. But the powers that be had no problem at all inserting themselves into my domains. They closed it on my business. They closed my church, my kids' education. Uh, my, you know, they, they came to my healthcare facilities, they closed the grocery store, the gym, the coffee shop, my barber, you name it, and some government entity was there strangling regulations or in order to shut down the thing entirely. A shout out to my fantastic barbers who even during the time when they would require, you remember this, when you get a haircut and, and they would go to, you know, cut your hair, but you had to wear the mask while you're doing it. And then I had a beard, so they they you know they'd take the mask off to very delicately, and then any time that they weren't doing the beard, they put the mask back on. It was all nonsense, right? My business itself, when I started, it was it was simply killed outright. I'm a I'm an executive consultant, uh, and at that time in 2020, before I got into politics back again, I was I was doing a lot of consulting into personal excursion and leisure companies. That was my day job, uh, and. One of the things that that I did is I, I helped these guys understand, you know, how are their sales going? How is their marketing going? What sort of strategy they need to employ? Uh, my big client at that time was doing exclusive golf excursions for baby boomers. So, so you can imagine by by April that business was dead. The next one, one on one consulting for college bound kids, big winner there for 2020, right? And the other one. The the home run. This was my big client. High-end vacation club for wealthy families, right? Dead, dead, dead. And that killed my, my, my side of the business like a doornail. Within weeks, I had no clients to speak of. So uh, I wasn't one to sit around, and I threw myself into what was in front of me, which was coronavirus. And uh, I got with my good friend, and we found uh, this ragtag bunch of analysts, chart makers, lay activists, and, and we were basically ready to rid ourselves of our health overlords and get back to normal. We called ourselves Rational Ground, and eventually we would start publishing on a daily basis. We still do on our Substack. Our Substack is uh, covidreason.substack.com, covidreason. And we would publish all this data that would counter what you heard from the narrative. Dr. Fauci would get up in Congress and say, one out of 100 people are going to die from COVID. And we say, your numbers are off by a factor of 10. And here's a Stanford professor to explain it to you. It was quality material, and people weren't finding it anywhere. We gained a a rapid following at a rapid rate, and by fall 2020, 
we were the core team behind Scott Atlas when he was at the White House trying to to write the policy ship at the Trump administration. And he, you know, he asked to produce charts, which we gladly undertook. We did this completely pro bono. We'd wake up in the morning, we called it Project Alpha. Where is Project Alpha today? He's in Philadelphia. He needs those numbers because Dr. Burks is talking nonsense. So we'd help him out. But like like Sauron's eye scanning Middle Earth for the Ring of Power, the powers that be started looking out for anyone who would question their authority. And the attention that we received caught their eye, and they were they were not amused. So in the summer of 2020, my my accounts on Twitter and Facebook were suspended for publishing some of our data. Was this was this just outrageous, crazy conspiratorial things? No. Here was the infographic for what I was. Uh, I, I took that the people took offense. Quote: Masking children is impractical and not backed by research or real world data. That was the extent of it, and I had uh, 12 different boxes there, all of them backed by rigorous studies. Nothing out there was fringe, but they came after me. It turns out Scott Gottlieb, who was the former commissioner or director of the FDA, and then after he left the Trump administration, he went to work as one of the board of directors for Pfizer. (laughs) So Scott himself contacted through his Biden White House contact and asked Twitter to take down my account. What was my offense? Well, it may have been he didn't like my nickname for him. My nickname, Noah, for uh, Scott. I'm it, curious. It, it was COVID Kardashian. <laughs> I, I, usually, I, I usually don't make fun of people, but he's got kind of that slick back hair. Uh-huh. He's got that kind of look like he's a Kardashian, so I called him Kova Kardashian because he was on CNN every day telling me to shut myself inside and weld myself inside with my family. And so wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I fought them. I got my accounts back. And then one by one, all of the different policies that they had touted turned out to be wrong, and we were right. And I tell you, there's nothing more satisfying than to put myself out there and say, I'm going to stick my neck out. And I know this is going against the grain, but I believe it's the truth. More importantly, I believe my family needs this, and I need to be on the right side of history. The origin of the disease, they got that wrong. Transmission of the disease, they got that wrong. Asymptomatic spread, they said that was the primary driver. Nope. PCR testing, wrong. Lockdowns, wrong. Remember those community triggers and all the rainbows that we had here in California? Wrong, wrong, wrong. Business closures, wrong. School closures, everyone knows this is wrong now. Quarantining healthy people, that's what you do in despot regimes, not here. Impact on youth, hospital overload, vaccine efficacy, vaccine injury, the list goes on and on. You just need to know if you stick your neck out for the truth and those things that are your rights in the Constitution, you can't go wrong. Do it. Be brave. You'll be rewarded. Justin Hart in for Andrea Cave. Back at the top of the hour with some great guests. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.